and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 495. Woohoo! Yeah, Dark Crisis continue, continueth. <laughs> continues. Issue, issue 5 and 495. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, uh, Dan. Like we planned it. Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, 5 of 7, and then Dark Crisis, the Deadly Green one shot. Isn't it Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, the Deadly Green? You know, maybe, maybe on some Earths it is, but on this one it isn't. I think, I think just because they did, they uh, they only have so much room on covers, so you know, some of these titles get pretty long. Although there was one for Dark Knight's Death Metal that, oh god, I have to look it up while someone else is talking because it is so long and stupid. I it's my favorite. And who knows? They they probably just designed this cover so long before they decided they were changing the name of the event. They decided, ah, screw it. We're not going to bother changing it. All right. Take it away, Dan. All right. So Dark Crisis, the Deadly Green number one, written by, and Chad should be excited, written by Ram V, as as well as Alex, I don't know how to say your name, Alex Pacnadel and Dan Waters, with art by Daniel Bylas, Tom Derenick, George Kempadalis, and Brent Peoples. Uh, so, heroes have gathered below the Hall of Justice in, a he- in the headquarters of the Justice League Dark to launch a supernatural recon-, recon mission and figure out what's going on with the Great Darkness. By combining the powers of Alan Scott and Obsidian, they're able to send a team consisting of Raven, Swamp Thing, Constantine, and Superman to a realm where they should be able to find some answers. As the heroes get closer to their goal, Swamp Thing and Superman struggle against the corrupting force emanating from the Great Darkness. A Raven can fight it off because she spent her entire life resisting the pull of the darkness within her, and her role in all of this was to make sure that Superman and Swamp Thing made it to the final stretch. Since there's so much darkness within Raven already, the Great Darkness would consume her easily if she made direct contact with it. But Superman and Swamp Thing are both empowered by the light of the sun, and their combined strength is enough to to resist the Great Darkness long enough to reach directly into it and pull something out. The team (laughs) returns to the Hall of Justice with the machine Pariah built that accidentally started the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. Constantine spent the entire trip talking to the Great Darkness directly, because why not, and learned what amounts to the idea that the darkness isn't the corruption in us, we're the corruption in it. And while all of this is going on, 
Alan was filling the room with green flames, burning hotter than he ever has before. Uh, in order to keep the magic door open, Obsidian had to constantly shoot darkness into Alan, filling him with nonstop surge of horrific nightmares, which he instinctively tried to combat by shining brighter and brighter to the point that he was becoming a danger to himself. But Jade calms him down with the somber knowledge that while light may make us comfortable, all light in all the light in the world can't get rid of the darkness. So Alan can afford to dim his light because the best shield they have against things in the dark that may want to hurt them is each other. Yay, Alan Scott. Yes. The, yeah, art, was, the art was seriously hit or miss in this issue. It, well, it was drawn by like four or five people. I realize this. That's why some panels were complete garbage and some panels were like, okay, that's pretty good. I don't, it may, it makes, it does not make for an enjoyable visual experience when it happens though. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I don't know what I expected going in. I kind of feel a little let down that there wasn't more to it than this. Um, I don't know what, I, I don't know what I was expecting though. So well, I, it just feels like I, obviously the event's not over yet. So can we have something definitive start and end? Yes, no, six of one, half dozen of the other. But like, uh, I don't know. I, I was kind of expecting more from it somehow. Well, this is an extension of what we were talking about in the last Dark Crisis episode, where you know we we pretty much in this in this pair of issues we kind of definitively learn that that there is well there's seemingly unless they really surprise us next month there is seemingly no other shoe we're waiting to drop like it's it is just hey pariah corrupted the great darkness somehow and it's also using him somehow and now the heroes know that like like i'm on the same page as you with this issue chad like i liked i liked a lot of i like some of the things about it but at the same time it's extremely unsatisfying to wait this long for the heroes to catch up to what the audience already knew since the beginning like the the big revelation of this issue is, oh my God, Pariah's behind it. And it's like we we knew Pariah was behind it. We Pariah was standing next to the Justice League when they died before the event started. Like that's not that's I don't know. I mean, it's it's just kind of deflating. The machine, yeah. the, the machine reveal, I think, was probably you, you are correct. I mean, you're generally correct to begin with about just conceptually. Yes, we just get confirmation that, hey, it's pariah and there's nothing else other than this is supposedly how he did it, though. Again, we don't really know how that works or worked. But I I, I was see the, the irony is this issue. I, I had read the synopsis about this issue before I went and actually read the issue. So. The synopsis actually sounded pretty good. And then I went in and I read the issue and it's like, yeah, I think I like the synopsis better than reading it, reading it in right in front of me. It just seemed like it was took a long time to get to the basic points. And I don't think the art, I mean, there's obviously this other stuff going on, giving you a Constantine and all this other stuff that really, you know, in a way it does factor in, but it doesn't really factor into the big ultimate reveal that we need to get out of this. But I in the artwork, yeah, the artwork didn't help at all. I think this, the inconsistency of the artwork. So I think I, even though I knew what was coming, see, you know, Chad may not have known what to expect. And so then when he got it and it's like, well, how much, you know, it's like kind of like, I'm not sure. 
it's like I kind of knew what to expect based on the synopsis alone, and I still kind of came out feeling the same way. <laughs> What's funny is that so much of the issue is devoted to what the team of of uh, Raven, Superman, Swamp Thing are doing, but the strongest parts of the issue are just more or less have nothing to do with them because you know the when you look at the Constantine stuff and the Alan Jade Obsidian stuff it it uh, by the end arrives at this this really foreboding like gloom and doom tone of like we are going to it's like we'll be okay we have each other but at the same time, it really doesn't seem like there's much you're going to be able to do. And like, the, like, like that feels like the kind of foreboding we should have going into the final big confrontation of this huge event. And I, I really haven't gotten that feeling from anything else other than the last handful of pages in this issue. And I, I don't know. I wish we could have spent more time jumping between char- these sets of characters or maybe like what was happening inside the magic world was a little different or whatever. But I don't know. I, I appreciated this issue for arriving at a place that that, at least for me, changes the vibe of Dark Crisis a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Um, I just I. I so I I definitely there's some there's some stuff I enjoyed for sure there's uh speaking of art I think maybe in it, it again art artistic preference and stuff um the page where Alan is in the chair surrounded by green flame and Jade says okay enough I thought that looked pretty pretty damn cool there's lots of cool moments in here oh yeah that I enjoyed I don't you I think you kind of encapsulated it perfectly Dan uh, is is the idea that we're just waiting for the characters to catch up to what we know, which plays fine in like, I don't know, a CW-esque type show where so-and-so agreed to never keep secrets from someone, but now they're keeping yet another secret. And what's going to, we all know the secret, but what's going to happen when so-and-so finds out like all that kind of shit. I don't know that that same sort of trope plays right in comics. It just reads personally as, okay, can we, can we get there? Like, once we already know, isn't the point reached? Is it is is there a point to playing with it and and seeing how the characters find out? Especially when how they're finding out isn't really particularly compelling. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the point of it should be that the reveal has a tr- like some significant impact on the characters who learn it. But I mean, Doctor Fate seemed fairly surprised that pariah's machine was in there but beyond that like it, it like it feels like it's going to be just another big fight and pariah's involvement doesn't seem that significant yeah and i mean i don't mean like like obviously a significant because he's helping the wheels turn but but like pariah as a character doesn't mean like that much to the characters who are going to have to fight him. Agreed. Uh, I don't know if there's much more to say about this. I, it, you know, there's lots of dialogue in here and, and exposition and stuff, especially on the part of great, the great darkness and John. Uh, but I, Constantine, since there's two Johns in this issue, yeah. um, 
so um uh, you know it's it's good ram v writing i think um it's just i don't know how much how much better it could get when you're forced to work within the confines of the current big event yeah so. i mean i look at that one panel of where they're like all right we left a team of heroes behind to make sure nothing tries nothing bad tries to get out through the open door we're leaving and it's nightwing dr fate wonder girl and jade and i'm like can i have a like a mini series about that group and just see what they're doing that seems pretty that's awesome i like that i like that group (laughs) i thought it was interesting that uh you know quote unquote alec had to you know go into levi's uh personage of the swamp thing because technically alec is no longer alive there is no body inside of that swamp thing it's just the memory of alec holland yeah so that was cool Otherwise, he, yeah, I, I, I like, I, I, you know, if if they're collecting Dark Crisis one day, much like if we were to sit here and go, what is an Ultimate Blackest Night collection like? Oh, so, some of some of those tie-ins or whatever, whether it be the resurrected titles or the three issue minis or whatever, you would go, nah, it doesn't need to be in the Ultimate collection. But some of them do, like for instance, the the Adam and Hawkman uh, resurrected one shot. That absolutely has to be in there. I would think that the Dark Crisis Deadly Green, um, I think it would have to be in there just because how is the Dark Crisis being corrupted by Pariah? Oh, his machine. Eh, Do I like that explanation? No, but like, you know, uh, it it does provide some necessary information, I suppose. Yeah, because the only other thing I have to say about this issue is that anytime Alan Scott takes his ring off, my heart hurts. (laughs) All right. Speaking of what Pariah is up to, I thought you were going to say, speaking of our hearts hurting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one of the same. (laughs) Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. Number five, written by Joshua Williamson, with art by Daniel Semper, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, and letters by Tom Napolitano. Deathstroke's army has spread the darkness to the entire Legion of Doom, with the last holdout being Black Adam. But just as he's about to be overrun, the Justice League teleports in and extracts him. Nightwing sees the writing on the wall and tells Oracle to put out the call. Every hero left standing should gather at the Hall of Justice. Slade and his army are coming for them anyway, so they may as well face this threat together. With the exception of the JSA, who go off to try and stop the spread of the Great Darkness before it can infect the entire multiverse. But just as the JSA teleport away, Deathstroke and his army show up and the big battle gets started. While that's going on, Barry and Hal are rounding up the rest of the Justice League that Pariah has trapped in happy dream jail, but still have no idea how to actually bust out. And that's when Superman reveals that he's known this was a dream world the whole time, and he's figured out how to lucid dream and control that reality. Uh, Superman frees the Justice League, and they all go to confront Pariah. But before they can confront him, Pariah is pulled away since he's forever cursed to be drawn to worlds that are about to end. Pariah and his Dark Army arrive at the Hall of Justice, adding their strength to Deathstroke's army as the final battle is about to begin again. Yay! Yay. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to force myself to comment on the issue itself before I go into my mini rant I had on Twitter. <laughs> Ooh, he's got a mini rant. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that it's a rant, really. It's just a, an observation. A, 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 Come to Jesus realization moment I had about this whole thing and how it makes me feel. 
I wish we didn't have to literally show the map of the multiverse <laughs> in panels these days. Like, okay, I get it. You know, okay, shout out, blah, blah, blah. But do, do we have to? Like, can, can we just see cool worlds like the kind of multiverse art you see all the time? Do we have to see the Morrison map, really? Well, they, they even do a cool thing in this issue where, like, we see Pariah looking up at the sky at the new multiverse that's being born. And it's like, there there's there ro- two rows of planets that are connected by electricity and it zooms way out and they're a giant double helix. They're like, the multiverse is the double helix DNA of reality. And it, it's such a cool visual. Before it starts crumbling. Oh yeah, of course. Oops. I got it all figured out, except for this stability part. Damn. What did I miss? It's okay. They can they can patch that. It's fine. Hey, well, he was trying. That's hey, the, the Green Lanterns were gonna I don't know what he did he really think he was gonna get enough power from Joe and Kyle? <laughs> I know you're like you said, it literally could have been a patch. It's like I just need the it's like this tire is losing air. It's like this is uh, this raft for the pool is losing air. I just need no. to patch it long enough. No, you know what it is, Mark? Pariah is just, he's like us. He's a Green Lantern fan. He sees the DC universe falling apart in front of him, and he knows that the answer is more Green Lantern stuff. <laughs> so he he's trying to publish it, but they won't let him. Now, at least Kyle obviously would have been a good choice from a creativity perspective. If, you, if you're drawing power, extra power based on the creativity of the person you're putting into these fake worlds or that he would be a good choice. Uh, if you're going to make a world based on Kyle, it's just going to be like one of these like shitty movies that just combines every intellectual property that they happen to own. It's just going to be free guy or ready player one, ready where it's just, Hey, one. Hey, it's yeah. Kyle and every, every anime he's ever seen. <laughs> it's like, what does my apartment have 17 refrigerators? Something doesn't seem right about this. And once again, Kyle's contribution to the, the fight against pariah is to yell something to the effect of, oh boy, when Hal gets back, he'll punch you good. <laughs> like, no, you do it! Again, perhaps, perhaps the only the only interesting thing about this issue is the fact, the, the allusion to the fact that, well, the Justice League are back, but they're only back because of where they are. And if they come and all these Justice League members who are in the, their own worlds, if they go back to, they go back to Earth, well... They're all they're going to be wiped out. They're not going to really be alive. (laughs) Yeah, I was confused by that. So is is the implication that they actually did die? And this is just like this is their their I don't know, their souls or their minds or whatever that's given form through this weird pariah magic. I think that's what he's implying. I think he's implying that where because where they are, where they are located right now and because of. And arguably, arguably, because of what how they helped power this multiverse, that they're that they're safe and they even they can they can escape those worlds and they can exist. But but they don't really yet. But they don't really 100 percent truly exist. in. And if they go back to Earth, that's going to basically like, you know, cut the cord. Uh, Something something to that effect is what I got out of it. Obviously, we know that that ain't going to be true, at least not for everybody. Because I've been Uh, wondering where the hell Justice Incarnate are, because everybody keeps forgetting two justice leagues died fighting pariah's army and the second one hasn't shown up or been mentioned since it happened well infinite frontier is over with we don't care (laughs) i will say i think i think justice league incarnate that miniseries has been my favorite part about 
about uh, Infinite, Infinite Frontier, Frontier slash Dark Crisis so far. Yeah, and so, at least and at least the army, the Pariah arriving with his army, it's kind of interesting. Uh, with the uh, death to the DC universe coming next. Yeah, speaking speaking to uh, the idea of whether or not the the league is alive, we know for sure at least Superman survives because there's already been lots of solicits and articles and crap about the new Superman series and the solicits about Kal El is back and blah 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 blah. Yeah. So, yeah, at the very least he's back. Uh, and then they're not. We're probably not going to kill our cash cow, Bruce Wayne. Uh, so you know things like that. Um, which makes me just I think altogether like. Regardless of whether the heroes are back or die, this whole thing has to end with the next gen just becoming the Justice League, right? And Superman, Batman, whoever is left standing of the OG OGs steps down and goes back to solo stuff or, um, you know, you know, Bat Family, Soup Family type series. But the actual JLA will be like Yara Floor and Nightwing and some of the Titans and then the Titans Academy kids will graduate and they'll become the new Teen Titans. Like that's gotta be kind of where we're headed, right? That well, would be really cool. Yeah, but they but this whole but this issue makes the whole point of Nightwing making this <laughs> making it clear that hey we we're not the Justice League and we never were. We're the Titans. So that would kind of be a weird ending to have them all of a sudden afterwards. No, we're the Justice League, <laughs> which is why I think we we'll, we will get we will get both of those. Like we will see like the Titans kind of shore up their foundation and stay the Titans, but we will see like if not entirely the future state Justice League, it's some kind of composite between classic members and the next generation members. I think it's interesting in the splash uh, where we the half page splash where we see the league kind of descending uh, back down to the ground. Uh, Hal is basically front and center, but John Stewart is in the background. Yes, that is interesting. It took me it took me actually I, it took me a few minutes looking at that panel to even notice that John was there because it's like, OK, I'm seeing these other characters that created worlds. It's like, where the hell is John Stewart? It's like, oh, yeah, that's where he is. And that's a cool panel, though. No, especially it is with, a cool panel, especially with the infinite, the color of the infinite Earths, you know, the classic infinite Earths design or, or uh, pattern that that's. Yeah, yeah I did like I did like uh, this this crisis Superman where his like S shield is made up of multiverses or something like that. I mean, to your to your point, Chad, though, there we do know that, like, you know, at least in the case of Superman and the Flash, like both of those are gearing up to to start focusing on some like really just like, like focused, like family centric next year for the flash book is going to be focusing on this, this story arc. I forget what it's called, but the concept is, Hey, an alien invasion is coming and it's an alien race that taps into the speed force and they use it as fuel for their machines. And it's, like the Flash family versus an alien invasion in this massive arc that in real in in from the perspective of everyone that isn't them, it's going all going to happen in the span of 60 seconds. Oh, yeah. The Flash war. Yeah. Like whatever. It's oh, called, the 60 like, second war <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And like that is a phenomenal idea. And it sounds like that's what the Flash is going to be busy with for a while next year. And New York Comic Con just happened and they announced all this like this the like a shake up to the Superman line and like 
they're turning action comics into an anthology that focuses on the different members of the Superman family. And they got plans for Clark and John and all this stuff. And it sounds like there's there's like a real plan for some of these bigger name, like foundational characters. So if there was ever a time to make room for other characters to to prop up the Justice League, this would be a good one. Yeah, it. I mean, I. It, it just. It does feel like uh, we're coming into a new era of the league. New members. The OGs are going to step down. Um, whether that actually happens, I guess we'll see. But it. It. It feels like it's. It's being telegraphed like that. Kind of a. We were gone, and you guys stepped up and saved us during our biggest threat yet. Uh, you know. So you've proven that you can take on the. You know. Blah blah blah. And, you know. And and to your point, Mark, about you know how he's like Titans together or whatever. Note that that's also happening in front of a mural showing all of the generations of the Justice League. So you know, <laughs> it's it, it it's almost foreshadowing. Like here is the next gen. This is the best moment of Dark Crisis so far. Like this moment is the closest thing they have had to like a thematic mission statement about what the point of this story is. Where the you know it's time to fight the Dark Army again, and Black Adam's like, "Are you crazy? Like we keep fighting them and we keep losing, and you are, and even the Justice League lost, and they are better than you. You are never going to be the Justice League." And Nightwing just looks back at everyone and smiles and says, we never were. We're the Titans. And they just triumphantly, like, run forward into battle. And it's like, like, yeah, okay, like, I read those handful of panels and see the point of Dark Crisis. And once again, five issues in out of seven, that's not great. But it's also a moment of like, like, you know, when when they tried to make their own Justice League and it pretty much failed, it's because they were trying to be something that they weren't or weren't ready to be. Now they have completely abandoned trying to take the place of their predecessors and are just kind of stepping up and doing what they're able to do to def- to protect the world and that is a much more honest expression of who they are as people which is probably what's going to earn them the slot by the time this is over like i fully expect like the one of the last pages of this event is going to be like some gesture whether it's a handshake or just a look or dialogue or whatever of black adam acknowledging jo- that john kent deserves to wear that shield or even if it's just like he looks at him nods and flies away or something like that giving like tacit approval of like hey maybe i was wrong about this child you don't entirely suck and then leaves <laughs> and, he, and then he, hand, he hands him something he's like and john's like what's this is this a movie ticket black adam in theaters <laughs> uh, the other th- moment in this issue that i loved is we get when hal and barry are trying to snap Bruce out of his dream jail. We get, well, first we get an absolutely gorgeous panel of Hal firing his ring directly at us. And his way of waking Bruce up from the dream is to show him. He literally says something to the effect of, 
will wake him up from his dream world by showing him his real world. And he just, he puts in front of Bruce a construct of the entire Bat family. And that is enough to get Bruce back to reality. And it's just, it's such a great moment. And it's one of those that like, I appreciated seeing Hal and Barry together because it's like, oh, look, it's the brave and the bold again, teaming up and whatever. But it didn't seem like there was any real functional reason for Hal to be tagging along with Barry until they got to this moment where Hal was uniquely qualified to to bring Bruce back to his senses because he could he could visualize the thing that Bruce cares about the most and presumably could do the same for the others they're trying to convince because we assume that's happening across the board as they you know they go to the different worlds yeah the other thing I was just going to say uh, if you compare this to way 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 back in the Jeff Johns era uh, I I doubt there that this is a direct callback to that but the mo they, was it issue nine where uh Hal gave Batman the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hal gives Batman the ring and Batman uses it to show him what he lost. Now here is Hal using the ring to show Batman what he's gained. The only thing that's weird about that is when uh Hal's like uh hey my ring was there all along but I, but they were hiding it from me but they can't hide it from my will. It's like obviously they could Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if not you wouldn't you wouldn't have needed some kind of illusion break. It's like oh yeah. That was that's kind of blatantly stupid. I mean that the panel is beautiful as as Dan mentioned at the end of that page but that part is like a head scratcher. It's like well yeah captain obvious obviously they could hide it from you because you didn't know you even had it on until a second ago. Like you have no idea how much I hate the fact that there are word balloons on that panel. Not just because I could use it for a thumbnail so easily, but also because it's it's like such like it's like the best Hal Jordan shot we've had in like a decade. And it's amazing. So I figured out what's bothering me uh, about Dark Crisis. And I think you know people use the term event fatigue. I am crisis event fatigued at this point. Um and I talked about this a little bit on Twitter because I, I, you know, one of those things, you know, I'm the kind of person where if I have a big idea, I have to write something down or or do something. Uh, Mark knows this <laughs> because occasionally I'll get a, a slew of ideas for episodes and he'll get a random message during the day with like, what do you think about this? <laughs> but uh, regardless, the Dark Crisis is an event. Look, there's some cool moments, both written and artistic, but I think that. The whole thing that bugs me about this is, and Dan, you you actually mentioned this already on on one of the uh, past episodes. I think it was just the last episode we recorded about Dark Crisis, that the idea of the multiverse or the omniverse in this case being the reason uh, or, or the, the thing that's at stake here is almost too big to even be a thing to matter to us in the first place. It's so incomprehensibly huge that it just... It doesn't it, it really doesn't quantify as something that's at stake here. Um, and yeah. even the death of the league, we were talking about it, you know, even <laughs> even when the issue itself was this was solicited before we even started reading anything. We we're like, all right, what's the countdown till they're back? Like the idea of people dying, the idea of the multiverse being at stake. None of this is new. Um, yeah, it's kind of like I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry. Just to, to it, it's even if you. Because we, it's whether or not Lex was retconning the idea of the omniverse being a thing or not. Uh, the the idea that 
now it's the omniverse, the a multiverse of multiverses. It's just, it doesn't matter. And I said this over on Twitter. I would almost prefer something like Final Night at this point because the sun has stopped. Um, the earth is on uh, a massive freeze. How do we protect people? And also, how do we reignite the sun? Like, that's actual stakes that I can comprehend. The earth is freezing. Uh, and it's a natural event. What the hell can heroes do against something that's non, you know, I mean, other than the fact that it's a sun eater, whatever. But like, almost something like that seems like it would matter more, that you would feel the stakes more than anything happening in Dark Crisis. And even if you are, if include the idea that it's pariah or blah, 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 it doesn't matter because every crisis event has always somehow been tied back to the original crisis. So not even that is new. Manifestation of two key problems. Like the first, well, the first being like this idea that like death is the only meaningful consequence that should be feared or has, is hard to deal with. Like the idea, like you, you kill off a character because it's supposed to be incredibly impactful to remove them from the lives of the other characters and and it should deal a devastating blow to the reader who's emotionally invested in these characters but it's the whole thing of like oh everybody everybody we've ever read about has died and come back at least once so kind of who cares and and that has escalated to a point that most people like us who have been reading comics for for years don't even take the concept seriously at all anymore and then the other thing it, the other problem is that they keep tr- having well they they don't have to but they feel like they have to keep escalating the threat otherwise what's the point like if you know if they saved the world then anything smaller than saving the world won't seem like a big enough threat. So they have can they have to save the solar system and then they have to save the universe and then they have to save the multiverse and then they have to save the omniverse and it just keeps ballooning and bigger and bigger and bigger which doesn't actually impact the stakes at all because like you said like those like you get to a scale that is truly unimaginable so they represent it with something smaller anyway. And it goes down to how we talk about the multiverse in general. Earth 2 is not a planet. It is an entire densely populated universe. It has like it has a Ran and a Thanagar and a Zamoran and like all like everything. But we call it Earth 2 because it's easier shorthand. And there's probably some people out there that think Earth 2 is a literal name and it's just another version of Earth. And it even goes further because when we talk about Earth 2, we're really usually just talking about the handful of characters who we know from Earth 2. Earth 2 does not equal mat- like infinitely large universe. Earth 2 equals the JSA and their immediate families and that's it and it's 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 frustrating especially in cases like this where they they're acting like they're dealing with things on these unfathomable scales when it's still it's still just kind of boiling down to a bunch of heroes punching a bunch of villains in the street outside of the hall of justice
I don't. I mean, I I agree with you. I I think and I agree with Chad. I for an, for an quote unquote an event, you automatically think it's supposed to have such huge consequences. And obviously, it's going to have some consequences. We just don't entirely know what they are yet. But it it's never really had that feel to it. Probably because the threat, literally. I mean, yes, you have, you've had Deathstroke's army on Earth, but the big threat, you know, the big bad, and he's really in his real army. They've been so far away for almost the entire event, and only now are they coming to Earth. But they're coming to Earth right in the last episode, so the last issue of the story. So you know it's going to be resolved. That whatever impact them that army coming to Earth is going to be relatively minor because it's going to be resolved by the end of it. It just now for something that like to re, that really they were trying to pat themselves on the back, making it sound like oh this is like oh, forget about all those other crisis events that built off of infinite you know crisis on infinite earths. This is the true successor, and in many ways I think this is just it it just has failed compared to like Infinite Crisis and a bunch of and many of the other events that we've had that actually were a lot more interesting than this is. Even Blackest Night, which wasn't even a crisis, quote unquote, level event, that that was a hell of a lot more interesting than this. And I keep struggling with the fact that so much of the language of the like how we talk about the great darkness and what the great darkness is and wants is exactly how we were talking about Necron during Blackest Night. Like, it's it, it just doesn't seem... like Because, like, Necron was, like, the, an avatar of the empty void that existed before light and planets started to fill it up. And I, I, I don't know, is that supposed to be different than what the Great Darkness is? I'm not even sure. I don't think so. The way but, I've been thinking of it, to try and quantify it, because uh, there's nothing in the text that would tell you this one way or the other but the great darkness is what necron came from okay that's how i've been thinking of it like he's probably like the 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 manifestation or one of the first sentient uh i don't know like so it's like he necron is the herald of the great darkness and black hand is the herald of necron kind of thing sort of or like a you know, to go, you know, fire and brimstone on you. Um, <gasps> say, Satan is the king of hell, but did Satan create hell? Okay. Yeah. That's how I've sort of been thinking about it. But, you know, the idea, I mean, they DC has sort of been trying to play with this for a long time now that we, and we haven't really talked about it, both on this show and just as a sort of fandom in general, I don't think, is... Necron is supposed to be like the embodiment of death, but we also have the great darkness. But also, aren't we trying to push dark side as this fundamental agent of death and chaos? So what is the true death in like, you know, what is the true end all be all embodiment of evil sort of a thing that and not to not to say that there can't be more than one embodiment of evil. But it seems like DC keeps trying to say there is one, but changing who it is. And it's funny, you, you bring up the multiverse map. Because ever since we got that, we've been trying to canonize the Endless from the Sandman. And, hey, they have the embodiment of death, too. (laughs) Like, they they have probably one of the the more chill, like, out hang out with her kind of deaths in comics. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It makes me, like, it makes me kind of want to read... Like we talked about like that flash 60 second war thing or action comics or whatever, or 
just reread the Sinestro Corps War, which had all of the hallmarks of a massive DC summer event, but it was just a story arc running through the Green Lantern book. And like, and like when you boil it down, when you boil down to it, like, yeah, it involved, it did what this, it did what Dark Crisis is doing, where it pulled in, like, here's all the main villains from all the big events from the past. But like, they're not trying to crack the multiverse in half. They're trying to, they're trying to overrun Earth. And, and like, it turns out that like, yeah, actually, if Earth falls, it would have a chain reaction to the larger multiverse. But there's something more tactile about it in that situation because we're not we're not like dealing with ethereal forces floating through the, another space that we've never heard of and can't even really picture in our minds. We're dealing with a giant metal anti-monitor man punching the ground until the guardians show up to shoot him and make him stop. Like like it's. Sinestro, like the Sinestro War, I think, is a great example of how you have an event that could very easily be a crisis level event, but have the scope be small and contained without losing any of the hype and excitement. Yeah, for sure. Mark, what do you think? What do you think we need out of a, the next event to keep people interested? Like. Like I made the comparison, like almost final night would almost be more compelling at this point. Well, the easy answer, which we're not going to get is to pump the brakes and not give us one anytime soon. That would be the real answer for number one. Uh, but, but, but we're not going to, I, I don't know after a while, it's like, you've done everything under the sun. So it's like, what the hell, what the hell do you do that we haven't, that we haven't seen in a while, in a while, obviously you can't, you can't kind of hard to go bigger than this anytime soon. Do we think what that, but the the Lazarus thing is going to be the next? That's going to be the next event. Yes, Lazarus said, planet or gar- that that yeah, garbage. I haven't been reading Rob. Uh, I read one issue of Robin. It was awful, so I stopped. And I haven't been reading whatever like Batman vs Robin. I don't even know if that started yet, but it's leading into it's it, it's all setting the stage for whatever Lazarus planet is, and that's going to be like their first event next year. Wait, what 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 Robin issue was horrible? Uh whatever one came out in like June. Oh, okay. So you're not talking about the new Tim Drake. No, 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 no. It was before that. Before that to, one was announced. I was about to give you some serious <laughs> talking to. Okay. Go ahead, Mark. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> you dodged that bullet, Dan. <laughs> Tim Drake is the best. He's great. He's my Robin. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think like you look at that Lazarus planet thing in a way, it seems on the surface, it seems like it's going to be a big drop off for the stakes. So maybe that's a plus, but also because it's so tied to Batman that maybe it's also pretty isolating where if you're not if you don't really give a crap about what's going on in Batman or Batman books that you're not really going to even care about about that event. I, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, Marvel, other than Chad being all excited about yet another symbiote event. <laughs> Marvel's doing the same garbage. I mean, they, they throw event after event after event, and and most people don't seem particularly satisfied with any of them. So it's like after sometimes you'd be better. Sometimes almost you would be better off taking sitting down. And again, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Again, this is something you'd have to brainstorm. But you'd be better off taking your time and thinking about something 
even if it's not 100% original, because nothing is 100% original, but taking the time to actually plan an event, which is a little different or would have ramifications in a different way, and then build towards it almost the way John's built towards Blackest Night by giving, you know, by from rebirth to Sinestro Core War and then giving against Blackest Night. That something that we don't need, we don't necessarily need a big event every single year if we get one every second or third year, which is memorable. And what we're getting, I mean, especially when, again, you look at this thing, to me, I mean, Infinite Crisis was so much more enjoyable than this. And it was, it was, I think it was so much more well written. You knew what the stakes were. It absolutely was a literal and spiritual successor to Crisis on Infinite Earths. This is literally the survivors of that event that are that are the pros and the cons, the good guys and the bad guys all mixed into one here that that was that was a that's still one of my favorite events. But, yes, even 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 final night would be would as Chad said, even final night would at least that was at least that was different. I mean, just like zero hour is different. Zero hour was kind of trying to do the same thing, but approaching it in a different way, because instead of. It was just like resetting time as opposed to going back and just bringing back. I mean, in a way, if Cal had succeeded, it would have been bringing back the multiverse in a conceptually since he would just create he could create any world that he wanted for anybody that they wanted. So it's similar to what Pariah is trying to do here and almost similar to what Alex Luthor was doing in Infinite Crisis. But I don't know what the easy answer is. I just think. Or what the real answer is, the easy answer would be to not necessarily feel compelled that you have to give us one every single year. Because what are the odds they're going to be successful? Are they going to be overly popular if you're doing it every single year and you feel like, oh, you have to, you have to, you have to. And it's like, well, if you have an idea and you build build towards it well, it's kind of like how, what's, how what future state was. You know, it's like building towards future state. And, and we know the 5G thing and the DO getting, getting kind of shit can kind of change whatever that was originally going to be but that's it you know they something they've tried twice now maybe more and maybe i'm just forgetting one but they did identity crisis and they did heroes in crisis and both of those stories have some really cool ideas in them and both of those stories have some big problems with them but at the end of the day it was an they were both attempts to take take the idea of of the crisis branding and apply it to something smaller and more personal and tell stories that are that have a profound impact on the heroes of the DC universe but not in a continuity rewriting sort of way where the universe is never about to be shattered and there's no there doesn't even have to be a giant big bad like boss fight at the end of it and like part of me like honestly the next crisis event i would like to see is another one like those two i don't know what it would be about i don't know who i would want to write it or or what but like even with the pitfalls of those two two stories what they were trying to do is so much more interesting than the usual reality reshaping like spectacle that we always get. I think, I think that said too, it's like, it's not just that it's to take it a step further. 
these events, these crisis events have stopped becoming the summer blockbuster sales, you know, sell a lot of comics event that people are looking forward to and reading. They're merely the vehicle to get to the next thing. Yeah, I think I said to you on Twitter when uh, you you went on your your uh, mini rant, like the 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 stra- the really strange legacy of the original Crisis on the Infinite Earths is that it got DC in this mindset that anytime they make an a big editorial change, they have to come up with a storyline that explains it it in universe and like. Like if they if they wanted to if they wanted to do the new fifty two and revamp everything, they could have just done it. You know they didn't have to come up with Flashpoint. They didn't have to to figure out a way to make Doctor Manhattan have retconned this into that. And also when the Flash time traveled to save his mom, it broke this. Like no, you can just you you can just say like hey, in May this version of the DC universe is publishing in in our issues and then in June we're doing another version and maybe we'll go back and and bridge that gap someday but maybe we won't maybe it'll be like going from the golden age to the silver age where the golden age after a while those characters just kind of stopped and then one day the silver age characters started showing up and eventually they 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 took steps to try and stitch it all together but at the time they're just like no let's ch- we're going to do something different now and they've and they've never done that again <laughs> i wish they would just let because let's face it the the reason you do the big change is to is to increase sales that's why you do it you're doing it to garner some attention, to to uh, get some some sales up. We're launching a whole new universe. It's a great jumping on point. Whatever your sales pitch is, it is to sell more comics. It's a business. And, and at the end of the day, that's always going to be the reason for anything. But part of me does wonder, and I think it's the thing that every fan has wondered if they get into this, you know, into the hobby, I guess. Uh, or into the medium as much as you know we three here have is just go what would happen if dc just said fuck it and let go of continuity or events or whatever for like two years and just recruited the best artists and the best storytellers to do whatever the fuck they wanted and have some fun with it um i mean obviously you still want these stories to be i guess marketable uh or uh not wholly in keeping with the um the values and whatever else you want to put forth you know we don't do something super evil with superman for a long ass time because he's one of our bread and butter characters we want him to look a certain way like maybe that's the only sort of loose restriction that's on all of this it it has got to be in keeping with company values or what they want the ip to do but otherwise just recruit great storytellers and great writers and artists and stuff and just turn them loose on the dcu and let's see what shit we get because if you let the interesting shit and i've seen this a lot with indie comics lately and i'm sure dan you've talked you know we you and i've talked a little bit about something is killing the children and other stuff out there like 
we've seen what cool ass shit has been happening when you just turn people loose. And when people look back fondly on certain eras of comics, that's what they're looking back on is these unique ideas where DC, like I swear to God, all the great stuff that comes out of DC or maybe even just comic and comics in general. And I'm a little naive because I don't know the specific history of Marvel the way I do DC, but the great things that are mem- that people remember about the pivotal moments in comics history is when the editors and shit were just like, fuck, we need to sell books. What do we do? And they just said, all right, you and you go for it. Whatever you want, just make it different than what it is now. Let's see what happens. And you get Watchmen and you get the Sandman and you get you know James Robinson's Starman and like you know you get like Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams on GLGA. Did that save Green Lantern? Ultimately, no. It only went for like nine or ten issues. But still, it's something that people talk about and remember and really increase sales at the time. So can we just do that and stop with the idea that we have to have a vehicle for the change and it's got to be a big crossover and it's got to fall in with continuity and it's got to be bigger and bigger stakes? Can we just freaking turn creators loose now? Like, haven't we tried all the tropes at this point? What's good and also frustrating is that we do get that sometimes, but it's only once once writers reach a certain level of status that they're kind of able to just do whatever they want. Like, we are still very firmly in the uh, in the uh, let Tom King write whatever weird thing he wants to write. And I'm very happy about that, because despite Despite uh, any bad things people may have to say about certain characterization of certain characters, I look at a book like Human Target and I'm like, this is this is spectacular. Like, this is one like like I read the first half of that series and realized I need to wait for like a, a, a great big hardcover of this to come out, because this is one of those things that I'm going to want on my shelf forever. Like the like the quality of comic book here is one of those that like this is one of those books that i would show to somebody who doesn't think comic books are anything but disposable junk and i look at like oh he's put, doing that uh what is it fear street that i'm getting yeah that's where he's like hey remember all those uh those like first issue cavalcade what or whatever it was called comics dc did decades ago or we had like characters that that mostly never showed up again. Oh, you don't have to go into all that. Put it this way, guys. The creeper's in it. <laughs> yeah. The creeper, the lady cop is in it. Like, and then it's just like, hey, let's take those characters and tell like like a cool ass story about them. And like, like that's great. That is that's the kind of creativity. Like, if you want to plumb the if you want to use the DC universe for all it's worth, you have to plumb the depths of it. And and just take uh, characters and concepts and ideas that have not seen the light of day in forever because somebody decided they're not marketable enough and just give a creative group of people carte blanche to come up with whatever wild ideas they can and see where they can go with it. If it doesn't work out, whatever. You publish crap all the time. (laughs) You know, to be honest, uh, if if I'm going to be real, that's maybe one of the things I miss about the new 52 is the, the goal from the outset. What, what, what did it, the deal said is like after 
the first six or eight issues or whatever, if it's not performing, it'll be canceled and another issue will take its place. Another series will take its place. Something like that. And then, but that, that initiative, like all of a sudden, like, Hey, here's, here's a Western comic. Here's a war comic. Here's like, I don't remember if there was a romance comic in there or not, but like they were do, they were publishing kinds of comics that DC hadn't published in a long time. Freaking demon Knights, man. Demon, Demon, that is like the book that I wish I read for more than a couple issues because it was so cool. I just didn't want to read a medieval fantasy book at the time. <laughs> and I'm looking back, I'm like, you were a dumb child. <laughs> you think, I mean, you think about with, with DC and Ch- I think Chad hit, you know, he hit the nail on the head. And we've talked about this before because John's fell into this rut, too. That you get to the point where every, everybody expects everything you do. And with John's, it was a little different. Everybody expected everything he did to be an event. And sometimes it wasn't. Most of the times it wasn't. But it was setting the stage for the next thing. So you think it's it may be somewhat important, but it's not going to be super important. But the expectation is, oh, but it's got to be. You know, it's like and and so DC sets one event that almost sets the stage for another. It's kind of what's going on with Marvel. Why phase four has been such a cluster for the most part is that some of these things just exist to just set the stage for things that are coming down the road, which seemingly is why she hope exists, which we'll talk about more in, in, in the episode soon that it seems to exist. So we can have other hulks. And so we can have it, uh, introduce other characters and, and do things like that, but it's not, but as it by itself, does it really need to exist other than being that bridge? And I don't know. I think, I, th- I think we're, cri- I think we're kind of crisis out. So whatever they, whatever they do next. And I guess if, if you look at the Lazarus thing, at least they're not putting crisis in that title. That would be a nice start. Let's not do crisis in a title for like at least two to three years, two or three months. Yeah, they, no. they changed the title of this event. They could change the title of that event. But crisis was still in the title. They just the added last- the, the infinite earth stuff. The last issue of Lazarus Planet or whatever will be like the Lazarus Planet on Infinite Earths, <laughs> Dark Lazarus Planet of Crisis or something. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, continuity should be a tool, not the point. Mm. There's her pull quote. Aha, put it on the box. On the box of this episode. <laughs> Dan, it, uh, uh, are you going to still uh, tell people what episodes you were on on your on your or is that was that only the the monthly thing? I I I need to I'm reworking some stuff, so I'll tell tell I'll tell people. Okay, so if you if you when you tell people I was on X number of the Lanterncast and you show the album art, put on that pull quote too. Yes, <laughs> I think that's it though. I just I I I came to that realization today about about these crisis events and uh it's no longer event fatigue it's crisis event fatigue yeah that's fair that makes so, sense all right anybody so before, got anything else in the tank before we transition just asking this question i assume damn watch werewolf by night have you watched the chat i have not yet but i i, I do plan to all this right coming weekend. so then we'll obviously we will wait to discuss maybe we'll do that in this in the she hulk in the she hulk episode then we'll do both in one shot I I mean I I I yes. <laughs> that was it. I was just curious. I was just curious about that. And the Marvel's release schedule got all screwed up again thanks to the debacle that is becoming Blade. That was that was interesting. <sighs> Blade being pushed back to 
2024 deadpool which literally just had an had a release date like a week or so a week and a half ago now has a new one because it's taking the fantastic four slot which now mm-hmm. takes the uh february 14th 2025 slot and secret wars is now into 2026 and yada 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 all because blade blades a friggin' train wreck let's see if they if ali does if he actually doesn't walk that that that'll be the that'll be the next shoe to drop if they don't get which is especially since supposedly the director got canned because he wasn't happy with the director's vision for fixing the problems with the script. <laughs> but we'll see. But that's that's becoming their big, that's their problem, child. This is probably the biggest problem project they've had in a, maybe ever uh, on the surface with all the problems. They've had problem projects before, but this has been just, there's like nothing going well with this project. That's usually not something you can say. That was it. That's all. That's anything I had. All right, Dan. Uh, will your mega uh, video be up by the time this goes live? Yes, it will. It's, <laughs> it is an hour and 14 minutes of listener feedback. And like my audience asked a lot of really good questions. I had a lot of fun answering them. It actually, it moves along at a really brisk pace. So I don't, I don't think you'll even feel <laughs> the significant portion of your life drain away that has that you watch it. Um, but you can go over there to Mosaic Comics on YouTube and and just geek out with a big group uh, with me and a big group of, of uh, questions. Questions. Que- it's very late. I'm sorry. A big group of questions from a big group of people who all love Green Lantern just like we do. And And hopefully you'll have fun and watch some more videos too. Uh, two quick other things I wanted to point out before I forgot. Uh, this week, DC released their their annual Halloween anthology. This one is titled DC Terrors Through Time Number 1. It contains a 10-page story about two, two uh, members of the Green Lantern Corps. It's set in the future, in the year 2447. One is a human named Jan and an alien named Carvon, whose claim to fame is that he always wears a green and red ring all the time and has found perfect balance between them. So it's very it reads very much like we're setting up a a longer story later, but I don't know if there's actually plans to continue it. But either way, it's an interesting little little read if you were thinking about picking up this anthology which is a pretty good issue by the way it's got a phantom stranger story chad i know i've been looking forward to this since the solicit because the regular cover had dead man swamp thing and phantom stranger on the cover and then the variant cover was like a vhs homage uh, of a dead man movie that never was so yes of him hunting (laughs) harley in the mall and stuff yeah Yeah. uh the other thing is that death metal one shot i couldn't remember the name of is dark knights colon death metal dash the last 52 colon war of the multiverses that title is so long it has two colons in it there's a joke to be made here but i'm not gonna go that something something about the length of the colon i had diverticulitis i can say that (laughs) (laughs) mark if people want to reach out to us how do they do so lanterncast at gmail.com the website is lanterncast.com you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag Geocast, track us down. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 
or a text 708 lantern and let us know what you think and if you're still looking or interested in our discord lanterncast at gmail.com shoot us an email all right good night everybody good night good night